I'm Phil Kaiser, and so far I've given four podcasts on the subject of hermeneutics, a word that refers to the rules involved in properly interpreting the Bible. And we saw previously that we don't impose our own rules on the Bible. Uh, We have been imitating Christ, the apostles, and the prophets and their interpretation of earlier scriptures. And so far, we've looked at eight rules of interpretation that they've modeled for us. In our podcast, I won't cover absolutely every rule that the Bible outlines, because that would take a whole extended course, but hopefully I'll be covering enough that people can see that the Bible's rules are very easy to comprehend and are repeatedly used by the authors of the Bible themselves. Now, let me contrast that with a couple of rules that were sent to me recently. Uh, Just like the last two objections, these have arisen from an objection to my using Luke 22 in support of ownership of weapons for self-defense. We saw previously that Christ had commanded his disciples as a permanent principle after he left the earth, and here I'm quoting, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Now, in my book, I had said, the right of self-defense is essential to life. When that right is removed by authorities, citizens may resist. Jesus himself commanded civil disobedience to weapons control mandates when he commanded his disciples, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one, Luke 22:36. It was illegal for private citizens to possess swords in Israel, so he was urging the purchase and carrying of illegal concealed military weapons. Two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and another, perhaps Simon the Zealot, were already conceal-carrying short swords. When they whipped their swords out, Jesus said that they were enough. And that's the end of the quote from my book. Now, so far I have dealt with three objections to that interpretation, but here's one more that I received. Uh, It's a more extended objection, and I'm going to read it in full to you. This person says, Objection. Jesus was God. He could do things we can't. You can't use Jesus' actions as a basis for doctrine or ethics, only his teaching. A related question, uh, Jesus was God, so how do I know whether I should imitate him or not? For example, Jesus drove people out with whips, calling out the Pharisees, had people worship him, talked with demons, and a lot more. How can I know what I should do from Jesus' life and what belonged to him alone? Jesus' motives were always pure, and he never went too far, so how can I do what he did when I don't have that going for me? Multiple threads of thought that are involved in this objection, so let's tease them apart one by one. First, let's deal with the issue of whether Jesus is ever an example to follow. This writer said, you can't use Jesus' actions as a basis for doctrine or ethics, only his teaching. And my response is, where in the Bible did you get that rule of interpretation? And it is a rule of interpretation. It is stated as an imperative. Uh, Let me read that again. The writer said, you can't use Jesus' actions as a basis for doctrine or ethics, only his teaching. But is that rule even true? I don't think so. Let's look at a couple of apostles and see what they said. Uh, Dealing with what some people think is a rather obscure doctrine in 1 Corinthians 11, the doctrine of hair and head coverings, Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 
he was following Christ's example on this and wanted the church to follow his example. And so Paul was getting doctrine from Christ's actions. What about ethics? In 1 John 2, verse 6, the apostle John said, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He's commanding us to imitate not just Christ's teaching, but also his walk. And he explicitly says we're to walk in exactly the same way that he walked. What about the Apostle Peter? Uh, 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And so that part of the objection is obviously wrong, but the question is, why is it wrong? On the surface, the objection does seem reasonable. After all, Jesus is God, or as the objector stated it, Jesus was God, he could do things we can't, unquote. Well, obviously, as God, Jesus created the universe, and we can't. As God, he received worship, and we can't. But here's the thing. We're not imitating Christ as God. We are imitating Christ as man. And in the incarnation, Jesus chose to do through his manhood not what he could have done as the Son of God, but to mostly do what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. He did this because he was modeling how believers should live. Where the first Adam failed, the second Adam succeeded. He didn't cheat as the second Adam by using powers that were not at the first Adam's disposal. Now, he could have, but he didn't. Luke 4.14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. Unquote. In Luke 20, uh, 10, verse 21, the Holy Spirit caused him to rejoice. It was the Holy Spirit doing that. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 says, Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12, verse 28, Jesus said, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, predicted that Christ's entire ministry would be empowered and done by the Holy Spirit. Uh, putting words prophetically into Christ's mouth, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." And the rest of the chapter shows how Christ's followers would minister in Christ's name with the same power. Jesus was the model of perfect manhood, and if we fail to learn from his examples and imitate his examples, we not only disobey the direct commands of Paul and John and Peter, all of whom commanded us to conform our behavior to his behavior, but we're also missing the whole point of his incarnation as the second Adam. He had to do as man what the first man failed to do, to operate 100% by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, just as a, <clears throat> a side note, I fail to see how this supposed rule would have even undermined my interpretation of Luke 22. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to carry swords. They're not God, right? 
Uh, It wasn't simply a situation of watching Jesus have a sword and imitating him. He commanded them to get swords and to carry money pouches and to not presume upon God's providence. Now, Jesus would never command a sinful action, and when he said, it is enough, he was satisfied that the two swords between them was enough, and that they were real swords can be seen by the fact that Peter cut off the ear of Malchus. Jesus, at that point, uh, I should point out, uh, told him to put away his sword because Peter was now unlawfully using the sword against a civil magistrate, which would be a form of revolution, and the Bible does not authorize revolution. It authorizes owning weapons for self-defense, even without government permission, but it does not authorize using them against the government as a private individual. Okay, well, the next question is a helpful one. Uh, The objector said, Jesus was God, so how do I know whether I should imitate him or not? Well, don't imitate him on the things that only God is allowed to do, such as receive worship. Don't imitate him on teaching, unless you're called by God to be a teacher. Don't imitate Jesus on things that only a male should do, such as teaching in a worship service. Uh, Don't imitate Jesus by getting crucified, because that's not your calling. Uh, The point of Paul, Peter, and John and their admonitions to walk as Christ walked is that we ought to obey the moral law just like Jesus did. But again, I fail to see how this part of the objection overturns our interpretation of Luke 22. Jesus is commanding real humans to do something, and so we are obeying Jesus just like they obeyed Jesus. But I, I can hear an objection already. Don't Christ's miracles prove that he was God? No. If they prove that he was God, then the miracles of the apostles prove that they were God. Obviously not. Jesus walking in the water does not prove he was God any more than it proved that Peter was God. Jesus always operated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the the apostles commanded us to imitate Jesus. Now, the next part of the objection states, quote, Jesus drove people out with whips, calling out the Pharisees, had people worship him, talked with demons, and a lot more. How can I know what I should do from Jesus' life and what belonged to him alone? That's actually a, it's a good question. I would say that most people don't drive anyone out of the church with whips. They shouldn't. Uh, Jesus was in his father's house, and zeal for his father's house was eating it up. He did have an office that you may not have, but can you imitate Christ's zeal to purify the church within the calling that God has given to you? Yes. Uh, We should all hate the compromises that have crept into the church. Uh, We should seek the purity of the church where God's law authorizes us to do so. Jesus called out Pharisees, and so should church officers today. Uh, He talked to demons and modeled to us how to cast out demons. And the reason I know that um, is the case is that He gave authority to do what he did, not just to the apostles, but also to the 70 in Luke 10, and also to ordinary believers in Mark chapter 14. So how do we know what to follow and what not to follow? Let me me just give some suggested ideas. First, if Jesus is doing things we are commanded to do, then we imitate him in how he did them. Keep in mind that we already saw in a previous episode that every ethical principle we need to follow is already laid out in the Old Testament, which 1 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says is sufficient to thoroughly equip us for every good work, no exceptions. So it's not as if we're getting something new by imitating Christ. He kept the law, 
and we keep the law with the first human example of perfection that has ever existed. He's the best model of what law-keeping looked like. A second, we should try to see if he expected others to do things. In Luke 22, uh, the passage that we read earlier, that was definitely the case. Uh, he was expecting others to do certain things. Third, we should look to see if the actions are unique to his station in life. Uh, pastors might imitate things that he did as a pastor. Children might imitate the submission he exemplified as a youth. Uh, citizens might follow the lead of how he responded to civil laws. I mean, if he paid a tax he didn't know, now we can assume we're not in sin by paying a tax that we don't owe. If he drank wine, we can assume it's not sinful to drink wine. Now, the last part of the objection was, quote, Jesus's motives were always pure and he never went too far. So how can I do what he did when I don't have that going for me, unquote. Now, I'm assuming that this objection still relates to having swords. Well, even there, Jesus modeled what is going too far. A revolutionary use of the sword against the civil magistrate was rebuked by Jesus. That's going too far. He's the perfect model of how far we can go in resisting tyranny. Now, by the way, in the Old Testament, David was a pretty good model too. Now, both models simply lived out what the law said about weapons ownership. Now, if you click on the QR code on the back of the cover of the Divine Right of Resistance, uh, you'll discover tons of information that shows biblical guidelines to keep you from going too far. And so my answer is the same as Christ's. Uh, he pointed to the Old Testament, and he said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But the bottom line is that we should follow his example. He is the perfect example to follow. And so far, I've given four podcasts on the subject of hermeneutics, a word that refers to reading into Scripture everything that we hoped was there.